Welcome back to another special episode of Epic Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce. It's episode 112, and I'm joined on the line once again by Lux. Lux, how are you now? I am doing just fine. Now, today is a big day. It's July the 4th. What's, what's shaking for you down in Texas? And nothing really. I mean, just in the... I don't think there's going to be any fireworks shows this year since the county's under a burn ban. A burn ban? It's been that dry, has it? Yep. Woo, that's tough. Yeah, no, I can appreciate that. I mean, like, it's, it gets, we, ha- we have been fortunate so far. We haven't had too many of those dry spells yet, but the, uh, the summer's just began for us here. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm sorry to hear that, my friend, but, uh, and no plans to go, uh, barbecuing or spend some time with some friends and family? And unfortunately, not this year. Fair enough. Makes sense. I kind of get it. I mean, yeah. Like some some years your your family gets on board and other times they don't, right? Yeah. Oh well. Now I have to say I was able to get some games in on the weekend and I got to try my new Zyatora deck. I have to say, pretty I like it. I need to make it faster because it doesn't kill fast enough. But that's 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 a problem. I, the the premise I can create a number of recursive loops with uh, Zyatora. That I can fling things and then buy them back, and it's it's fun, good times. Um, and I also tried the new Dungeons and Dragons um, red green deck, the um, Exit into Exile or Exit from Exile deck, which also was very fun. Popped off pretty good. On turn three, Lux, I had I had made I had resolved my commander and played five wolves. Oh boy! Yeah, yeah, it was good. At five, two, two wolves. The problem was I couldn't levers into a victory. I died to a, my friend who was playing Hamza, the which is a, one of the commanders from the original Commander Legends, and it's like a green white token, like plus one plus one counter deck. And Hamza, I know people poop on Hamza. Hamza is like Animar, and if you're familiar with what Animar can do. Hamza's just like it, but bigger. So uh, we got we, we got smashed. How about you? Did you get any games in? And I got a couple. Like mainly at FNM, I used that and Rafine deck that I had brewed up uh, about a month or so ago on the podcast. Like yeah, I remember the one. I, yeah, like, I I wrecked my opponent so badly that at the end of FNM, they all begged me to never do it to them again. <laughs> You see, like, Surveil and Kanaev, they just work so well together. They do. They really, really do. Let me have a look at that uh, that Rafine list. There's the Rafine list. It was brewed. It says two months ago, which I don't believe. I think they're lying to me. But, oh, this one. Yeah, 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 yeah. This one looks aggressive. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Heavy two drops down to a, a single or couple of sixes. Uh, on the uh, and then you just play a lot of just stuff to kill your opponents, and I'm sure. Yeah, they since and they because and the surveil lets me control what my next draw is gonna be. Like yeah. I just kept doing that, and I like I was literally just getting out all my good cards. So you're telling me that this seventy five dollar deck that you brewed up two months ago 
laid the smack down on people. Yeah, oh, yeah, big time. So, audience, if you're listening, $75 deck, you can build it, you can smash people, it's okay, it's good. Excellent, good for you, my friend. That looks like... That deck is also yeah. very, very. That deck is gas. I'm looking at it. Yeah, because like, they remember they back they a couple months ago when we were first talking about the mechanics for Nukapena. Remember, like we were going over Knife, and I told you that it would work so well with Surveil, and I was right. Yeah, and you're absolutely you're you're absolutely right. Also, this deck is a seventy five dollar deck that includes a twenty eight dollar Ledger Shredder. <laughs> <laughs> like twenty, like like a third of the value of the deck is eaten up by a single card, and the rest of the deck is like dirt cheap. Audience, like this, pay attention to this. This is the sort of stuff that this is what we do on the show, and pay pay attention, please, because this thing is hilarious. Anyway, excellent. I'm glad to hear it. That sounds like fun, or at least for you. Maybe not so much fun for your opponents, but fun for you. All right, um, let's move on a little, a little housekeeping here before we uh, move on with the rest of the show. Um, as we talk about every week there, folks, if you want to hear about, um, find more of our shows, and you like, because you like what you hear, and you want to catch our back episodes, you can always find all of our back episodes available at thelotuscouncil.com. Um, that is our, our home on the internet. They've been fantastic to us to provide us with um, a place to post free of charge, um, it goes up, it gets uploaded there, and it's just terrific. Um, but you can find lots of other great content as well over the Lotus Council, uh, um, in addition to just the podcast. They've got a Twitch stream, they've got um, you know YouTube videos, but most importantly, they have a Discord, and the Discord is free to join, and offers all sorts of great uh, little little perks here and there. Um, you know, sometimes have a trade, the trade channels popping off. Other times, people are talking about. Uh, new decks and strategies right now people are talking about well there's a lot of people are talking about their july the 4th and uh, all that whatnot but um lots of great things going on in the discord so come and check it out the links to the disc in the show notes down below so check it out and then um come on in say hi don't be shy and the people at the at the discord uh from the will take good care of you all right everybody thanks very much also we crossed over 110 episodes. This is episode 112. We are giving away a foil bootlegger stash. A foil bootlegger stash that Lux has been gracious to donate. Um, and so stick around to the end of the show to find out how you can be entered in the giveaway. All right, Lux, are you ready? Yep. So here we go. We're going to have our show in three sections. We're going to have... Uh, segment one is going to be a little garbage or great. Uh, segment two, we're going to talk about... Some changes about the format um, because we were looking at some of our old lists and lists that we we ha- I have assembled and Lux may have assembled too in his place and there's a big departure between what we used to do versus what we do today and it might be worth our while to explore where some of those differences are and what has impacted the format to such a degree that has really put deck dis- deck construction on its ear and made it um, very different to play Commander today than it was in yesteryear. All right, and then we're going to have a quick peek exactly at two two lists, 
two lists that happen to be our lists. One that I brewed uh, many, many years ago and is among my very first decks I ever brewed. And then one I brewed for the show um, about a month ago. So, um, yeah. And we'll probably have a few other conversations in the mix of all this other stuff, too. So, are you ready to get down to business, Lux? Yep. All right. So, our garbage are great tonight. Is Quartzwood Crasher. Two red, red, green for a creature dinosaur beast. It's a 6 6 with trample. Whenever one or more creatures you control with trample deal combat damage to a player, create an XX green dinosaur beast token, creature token with trample, where X is the amount of damage those creatures dealt to that player. Is this card garbage or is this card great? I'm probably going to wait for your opinion on it because I have never seen this card before. Okay, so. I have seen this card. This tar- card fi- figures prominently in dinosaur decks, so either Zakama or Gishath. Typically Gishath. Um, in Gishath, this deck, this card is really good um, because you can probably cheat it into play uh, or get it into play for cheaper by uh, cost reduction mechanics for dinosaurs. Um, and then the fact that it makes tokens is terrific. So a 6-6 Thumper is is really, really good. Um, the only thing I wish is that it had haste, I will be honest. But there's lots of ways in red and green to give your creatures haste, whether it's Fires of Yavimaya, Rhythm of the Wild, Anger in your graveyard, or just, uh, you know, uh, Greaves or, or Swiftfoot Boots or something. And now you have a big creature that you're probably going to be able to attack with and make a token with because you're probably going to catch somebody unawares, particularly unawares if it has haste, like I said, making extra extra copies of this sort of creature. Um, so, yeah, like I think in that sense, if that, that's the deck you're building, I think the deck is actually pretty, your card is pretty good. Um, what does it go in? The top commanders it goes in, like you have Gishath is right there. Uh, you have Xenagos, which I can mention also was a big thing. Uh, Gearhead, Hans Eriksson, Tria Bearclaw, Shurak, Dragonclaw. Like a lot of these are teamer or, or, or um, Gruul-inspired commanders. Um, so, you know, very clearly the, the card has got some, a number of obvious built-in homes. It's in almost 15,000 decks too, which is not an insignificant number of decks. All right? Here's what I am going to say, though. If you move away from uh, these sorts of commanders and you're playing, like, um, what would be a Naya commander that doesn't really dig this or, or something like that? There's a, bunch of, there's a bunch of commanders that are in sort of this sort of color configuration that are not going to be down with this, uh, that don't really need this sort of creature, and this just ends up, you know, because it doesn't come down with haste, can't guarantee it comes down with haste, I think is going to get passed over in a good number of decks that are red, green X um, because it just doesn't fill the bill. So I would say in the decks that want it, it is a very good card. Um, but again, like we're, we're encountering more and more with these cards, this card is um, not great in every scenario and therefore should not be just taken as be at face values being, um, you know, an automatic include in your red-green deck or your teamer or your Naya deck, even a Jun deck. But um, it is very potent if you can resolve it and stick it. So, 
Um, I'm going to say I'm going to come down. I know we have to make a decision one way or the other, right, Lux? That's sort of the rules of the game, right? Yeah. So I'm going to come down. and I'm yep. going to say that it is great. It is great because the decks that won it wanted a lot. What do you think, Lux? Yeah, and I'll go along with you and say it's great because. Have like you, you really said, they, s- no, they not once have I ever seen this card. Dude, you need to get this one for your um for your Samet deck. Like Samet would dig this one, and Samet would give it haste. And it's like a dollar thirty. Like it's not expensive. Put this one down on a little notepad by your desk right now, my man. Yeah. It's like this one. If you're if you have a stamina deck, like this is five mana for a six six to trample. That's pretty good. Pretty good stats on a creature that's going to pack a pretty nasty wallop. If you can catch somebody unawares, so that's the thing. <laughs> All right. Um. So yeah, I think the card is pretty good. All right. Moving on to segment two. So Lux and I were talking about how we want sort of want this show to go, and I guess we had this, we decided we we're going to like look back retrospectively at how we when we had pr- started playing this format, what the what the format looked like. So Lux, when did you get into Commander? It was honestly around the time that like Omnicat came out, because like the LGS that I work at and like people. They, we started getting people coming in there that were talking big about Commander, the EDH. And then we started doing it for FNM, that like it became the most asked for format. So that became our permanent thing for FNM. And then comes in the Almond Cut release day, I end up with like cracking a few packs and I get in a Sam Voice of Descent. There we go. And they. And they, one of the regulars and who originally brought Commander to the LGS, and told me that like she, they, he's in a seen her and play already, because you no know, thing, there was the pre-release. Yeah, yeah. And and that he was telling me that she would make an excellent commander for Naya. So, if I correctly, that was like late 2016, early 2017. It would have been April 2017. Eric. Let me go see Amon Cat release date. Amon Cat release date. I want to say it was April, April tw- April twenty eighth, twenty seventeen. Uh, and I remember it vividly because I was tr- trying to go to the pre release, and I caught a stomach bug. So and I thought I'd be able to make it through the event. I should have known better, but I stopped at a subway to get my favorite fo- my favorite sub before the pre release. And my buddy was there, we were, we were having a conversation, took one bite of my sub, went straight outside the parking lot, and just vomited my entire innards all over the parking lot. I'm like, oh no. So I didn't get to my pre-release. I went and picked up my pre-release kit, um, and then took it home. But that's not the same. So, but I, so I'll never forget, it was April 28th, 2017, and I was sick and missed my pre-release. Um, on my end, I got into Commander earlier than that. I got into it in the summer of 2015. Um, and so my, my return to the game generally began in summer of 2012. Uh, Avacid Restored was the, was the set being played. And 
for a while, I sort of thought I was playing, I was going to play standard. Um, and so I, you know, I brewed up all these sort of jank standard decks and was having a blast. We'd get, you know, I get together with my play, my friends. We play like the big like six person game of Emperor. If anybody wants to find out how to play Emperor, please let me know because I've played more games of it than I ever care to remind myself of. Or we've had free for all games, like six of us sitting at a table, like just all going ham. Um, and I, I, the summer of 2015, I arrived to work at summer camp with my counselors again. Um, after a couple of years away, and they had switched from playing, you know, whatever, into playing Commander, and they said, yeah, you should get into it too. So, and I looked through my stuff, and I had uh, a Lavinia of the Tenth. And so I brewed up Lavinia of the Tenth, which was a, so it's a blue-white deck. I still have it constructed. It is heinous to play, because it has got 14 counterspells and 5 board wraths, like board wipes. Is miserable, Lux. Is miserable. And um, Lavinia, if anybody's unsure of what Lavinia does, it just locks the board down because it detains anything. So anyway, that was my that was my first commander deck. And I it, very quickly that that year I built Alesha, Sadisi, Shuyun, Yazova, and Dagatar as my next five. So I had six commander decks, and they're all still intact. That I have here too. Now I don't get to play it in LGS. I live too far away. I'm 75 kilometers um, from the nearest LGS. Um, and if I want to go play at one that has Commander as FNM, I don't get to. Uh, it's even more travel for me. It's getting close to 100 kilometers. Um, so, you know, that's that is an impediment to me. But I still manage to build these decks and play them a fair bit. Um, you know, as it was. But looking back on how I constructed these decks, because I can still see the basic structure of them, uh, and in fact, what we'll do is we're going to provide you with lists for uh, a deck that I built in 2015, the Alesha Who Smiles at Death list that I have, as well as a list for a deck that, we, that is far more contemporary um, in the form of an Elv Evelyn Grixis... Um, Evelyn the Grixis commander from uh, Duke of Penna, Evelyn the Covetous, which is also a deck that I brewed, but I brewed it up two months ago, and looks so it looks diametrically different in the way that it rolls. Are you talking, Lux? No. Oh, your mic, mic was, 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 was blipping there. No? Okay. So... Lux, what do you remember about when you started to play Commander? What did you notice? Uh, some, like, were there any hallmarks about the game in 2017 that jumped out to you? Well, they, one of the things is that and then back in 2017, there weren't as many in a, like quick games. You know, they, they normally, like a single game of Commander normally lasted an hour or so. But now, as you can see, they with the amount of like the bombs and the the combos, games just don't last that long anymore, do they? Yeah, I so yes, I think you're right. And so I believe there were generally fewer infinite combos that ended the game early. Um, and the ones that did exist tended to be ported 
from from one of the eternal formats, so modern or legacy at the time. Um, and so, consequently, if you're going to win, you often had to rely on um, combat in order to get a win. Generally, not always. There were decks that didn't need combat, or them did rely on combat, then didn't. Would you agree with that, Lux? Yep. And so that's where the length of game comes in, because I agree with you. Like I play in a play group that's still sort of like har- like harken back to this this time in Magic, where they assume when they get together to play on a Friday night that each game is going to be a two hour game. And so everybody is essentially 30 minutes a player for, for the game. And I'm going to be honest with you, with their games, it often checks out. Not always, but often it checks out. Um, and so they'll play, they start at 7, they play, not, they play a game at 9, and then they're usually wrapped up by 11. And they get their two games in, and that's pretty typical. And it's, that's sort of how it was here in this time frame. Um, think, decks were creature-centric. Um, boards got ju- got plugged up, right? Would you agree, Lux? There were lots of creatures and lots of yep. things that would just make attacking yeah. miserable. Oh yeah, and, and they speaking of which, they there's actually like a story behind the the reason why I normally don't like to play blue. And, like this is around like the time that I first started playing Commander because like after Summit, like I forget who the Commander was, but I built a mono blue Commander deck. Right, and I basically like I won it by default by making like all my opponents scoop because like I just kept taking extra turns and they literally nobody else was allowed to play. Yeah, and they, it was about two and a half hours. Yeah, yeah, man, people don't like that. <laughs> yeah, they let me tell you, they those people they they told me that if I ever play that deck again, they'd just leave. <laughs> oh my God, Lex. Uh, your playgroup it sounds like a bunch of like people who are not very happy with you, my friend. Um, so yeah, I would argue that board states get plugged up in this time frame, and so you needed a way to break parity, whatever that was. Whether it was a board wipe, and you cast your Boros Charm to give your permanence indestructible, blow out the table, and win, or Crater Hoof Behemoth, or something, something to break parity on board. Because otherwise, the board would just plug up with creatures. Um, also, because you were relying on creatures, your decks were in- inherently less consistent, right? Like, if you're trying to yeah. play with creatures, you know, unfortunate side effect with most creatures is they die. So you couldn't rely upon protecting one win con. You needed to ha- you, so you had to have redundant threats in your deck which eat up card slots, which consequently limit your interaction that you can play elsewhere and compel you to play more ramp because your threats that you're going to play to try and close out a game are probably large enough that they require the extra attention or for stuff. Um, anything else there, Lux? Any thoughts around the creature, the creature-centric nature of the format in 20, 2017? Well, 2017 or 2015? It's like you said, when they in games back then, they they normally like relied heavily on combat, like having like a large like amount of creatures on the field. Yeah, like having like like having attackers and blockers. They 
you don't really see that much anymore because like it's all about those like infinite combo spells. Well, yeah, it's like it's the, the in games quickly. Yeah, it's it's infinite combos and it's and it's um, like high high impact value. So it's unlikely that you're gonna play a, a game where you're gonna be allowed to snowball your creatures for value and then you know overload the table and like win, right? Like that's not yeah. usually how it goes yeah. today. If sometimes it yeah, because like back oh go ahead to say they they back then they. The games and the victory, the achieving victory normally relied on you managing to get creatures out on the field. Now that you don't really have to rely on creatures at all anymore. Right, yeah, I'd agree. All right, so the creature-centered nature of the format, I think, was a big was a big determining feature in this. Um, next, uh, the mana. All right, so in 2015, things were a lot different than they are today. A lot different. The mana was objectively bad. Alright, so um, there were a lot fewer good untapped options that, that compared to what exists today. So even a player on a budget can still get access to cre- lands that can come into play untapped at a reasonable price. Meaning that we can like that untapped land is huge. When you play every time you play a tapped land you're time walking yourself back a turn when you had like instead of playing with five mana, you only use four because your gate or your you know whatever comes into play tapped. That's a huge, huge cost to bear, and um, you know is objectively something that people are looking to avoid. Um, also, we just had the onslaught fetches reprinted in 2015. All right. We hadn't seen Zendikar Rising fetches since 2010. That was already five years by 2015. By the time 2017 rolled around, we had only seen them once in a reprint. Those Zendikar Rising ones, sorry, Zendikar ones, um, but they were in the Masterpiece slot, like the, um, the Expeditions in Battle, uh, Battle for Zendikar. That was the only, that was the only other reprint for, for fetches at that time. Imagine mana bases, folks, that don't have fetches. Because that's what you're playing with. Sure, some people had fetches, but a lot more people that didn't, didn't have the right fetch or enough fetches or a fetch at all. Meaning that your mana is by default going to be inferior. You just can't go and find that swamp or that island or that mountain or whatever it is you're finding just nearly as fast because you don't have you just don't have the capacity to find it so that's a huge cost um and the one that we overlooked today because we're like oh we'll just play a fetch land because there's a there's so, like right now fetch lands are cheap those zendikar fetch lands are like under 20 bucks almost all of them and that's a big deal right um the temples were four to five dollars a piece. I think Temple of Mystery is like a is like a quarter right now. It's dirt cheap. Um, but it was four to five bucks because the temples were objectively good. If the temples are good at this stage of the game, what is that telling you about the mana? Lux, think about it. Would you? Would, mm-hmm. would you honestly? They. 
Like, would you characterize the temples as being good lands? Well, compared to others, and they not necessarily, but they there are ways of making them be good lands, just like how like the guild gates, there are ways of making those good lands. And they, there are people that they like to talk smack about them. No, I'd, I'd absolutely agree with you, but I think what we have seen is that, you know, temples at four to five dollars a piece was very, like, very high uh, for what we have because now we really just look at them and they're just a tap land. Like, they're not functionally a lot different than the life gain lands. I guess Swiftwater's Cliff is not that much different than Epif a Temple of Epiphany. Um, despite the fact that Temple of Epiphany was, you know, four to five dollars for a while. Um, but we also had no MDFCs. We had no Trios, no Tango Lands. I was like Prairie Stream and um, I'm drawing a blank on what the other ones are, but the Prairie Stream is the big one. Um, no, uh, none of the lands from Shadows or, sorry, uh, Crimson Vow or Midnight Hunt that are just, they come into play untapped if you have uh, three or more lands, I believe is the ones. Bottom line is, like, if, like, the ability for uh, somebody to have access to these, these other lands are going to significantly improve the way their deck operates. Like, we were looking at some objectively horrific mana bases back in 2015. Like, you, like let me tell you, I was trying to build three-color decks with, with mana bases that were atrocious. Lux, any other recollections you had about the about the mana? Oh, and as I was mentioning with guild gates, you know, they normally they for and the three color decks that I tried to build, my normal mana base consisted of when they just like any dual lands that I could get in a hold of, like guild gates and, and the and life gain lands. Yeah, it was mostly just basics though. Yeah, like a lot more a lot more reliance on basics. Um, a lot more realistic on bad tap lands come into play. Like that's these are huge costs. So that when they when they streamlined our mana, like we just changed the dynamics of the format a lot. So what would have been a a, a format to play, you know, uh, a five or a six or a seven mana spell, now you can't really do it because your opponents are playing at a higher rate of speed. So not awesome. Because like one example is like the Rafine deck that I have. Yep. Like if I was in the if I was playing this deck with and like how mana bases were back then, it most likely would have never popped off at yeah, all. Yeah, I'm sure of it. Like absolutely. Let's move on to the next one. So we have tutors. Tutors were very very different. So tutors like demonic tutor and vampiric tutor existed, but they hadn't seen a reprint or at least a meaningful reprint, in a very long time. The Monarch Tutor caught a, a reprint uh, in a broadly circulated set in 2018. Empiric Tutor saw it in 2016. Grim Tutor didn't get one until 2021. And there's even debate if that's even a good, a good one, but at three mana, it's pretty, it's pretty affordable. Imperial Seal, you know, it's going to be landing in 2022 debate on whether or not that's how that's going to go, but anyway, so um, Idyllic Tutor is from Theros Beyond Death, that's what his most recent reprint. Natural Order 
actual order caught a reprint in 20 sec 2016. And again in uh, uh, Strixhaven's Mystical Archives. But before then, we hadn't seen Natural Order in a long time, just to name a few. So, the lack of these tutors, like, these tutors essentially got reintroduced to the format at a much more appealing price point. Um, meaning that for a good portion of this time, when people were building decks, if they wanted to tutor, you were playing four or five mana value like spells, so like Diabolic Tutor and Increasing Ambition, that are going to allow them to be um, like useful cards, but like they're not nearly in the same league as some of these other tutoring cards. And this is important because it really changes the way your deck is co your deck composition. So instead of being able to go tutor up the cards you need at, the, at just exactly the right time, um you may be compelled with like a diabolic tutor or if you're going to use increasing ambition to go find a card uh you have to like you're spending that much mana to tutor it and you can't play it right away and so consequently like you're just delayed even yet further now they can make you discard your hand thought sees it or whatever else um so yeah like it's just you know on the whole it's just really really change the way the game functions to get all these new or not new but re returning mechanics uh sorry recurring recur tutors recurring tutors that are just showing up and really like forcing the power level of the format up um so yeah that's definitely a big big change since 2015 what about the ramp, Lux? What do you remember the ramp being like when you started playing in 2017? In the, back in 2017, they you would literally have to go like green just to get ramp. Yes! Yes! Damn it. <laughs> so like even if you didn't want to have green, like you would like if you wanted proper ramp, you had to have green. Yeah, and so I know like the Mitch from Commander's Corner Quarters was like big on like things like Wayfarer's Bauble, which was like an an artifact that could be used. Um or I guess you could play the um, there's like a talisman from Ixalan and Travel so it's Traveler's Amulet. They can help you fix your mana. But like they're not ramp, they're fixing your mana. And if you want to have your like your ramp, like you have almost had to be in green. Um you play, or you play three mana mana rocks. Do you remember any three mana mana rocks there, Lux? Honestly, not at the, in the tip of my tongue, unfortunately. Well, so, like, at the time, like, we were playing things like Commander's Sphere. And Commander's Sphere got introduced, it was a big deal, right? Like, this a mana rock that taps for yep. any mana and can sack it for a card. That's big game. Um, we use things like um, Ink, Dark Steel Ingot, Manolith, Clue Stones, Key Runes, Banners. Like these were what got played. And what we have seen since then is the proliferation of uh, the proliferation of Mana Rocks accelerating the format. So Mana Rocks start showing up in abundance. So we get Arcane Signet, 
and that doesn't sound like a big a big change, but like when you were playing Commander Sphere for a three mana, make any one make make one of any color. Now you got a for two, meaning on turn three you're playing a four mana spell and starting to go to work. That's a thing, but yeah, like, they, yeah. Like speaking of rampant, like over the last and like over the last couple of years, they started printing more in a fur in the like not just green but other colors too. And like take Boros for example, like one of the color combos that had the least amount of card draw and ramp, and look at what it's being given now. Yeah. Oh, fair point. Um, but we had a whole lot of other two mana rocks show up. We have like all the signet cycle, talisman, diamonds. Diamond Cycle just got reprinted in um, Baldur's Gate. Like these, these like this doesn't sound like much, but when you have access to this many two mana mana rocks, that's a big deal. Like that's going to change the way your deck is constructed significantly. So, um, also some other big ones. So. Mana Crypt didn't get a reprint until 2016. Mana Vault didn't get one until 2018. These are two of the most egregious um, examples of fast mana that we can reprint. And we're just... Like, we're just... Before then, we could get them, but you would have had to shell out lots of money. And, like, lots of money. And now it's like, well, you know, lots of people have a Mana Crypt. But, yeah, no, the... Like, the way that the mana ramp was constructed was just very different than what it is today. Um, removal. The removal was really different, too, wasn't it? Oh, big what do you time. remember about the removal from when you started? Like, what, was, what were people playing? Well, like, mostly, like, it was just the, the single target removal. Instead of, like, board wipes, you would just get... Well, they, I'm gonna have to go to the list because like I don't even remember the names of them anymore. But they they were single target removals. Yeah, like the examples I had like were things like putrefy and mortify as being things that people yeah. used to run. Dark banishing, terror, these sorts of things. Um, and you know they were either like were a little expensive because they were flexible, or they were efficient and objectively very bad. So, like we didn't have we didn't have things like uh, and uh, un, sorry uh, anguish uh, unmaking. We didn't have assassin's trophy. And we certainly didn't have things like rollicking uh, the black free spell that goes along with deflecting swat and fierce guardianship. Like this is it's 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 a lot. Like to see these removal get put in there and really like that that level of interaction, yeah. particularly free spells or yeah. super. Yeah, they. Go ahead. Yeah, they. One pop. They. I was looking up. Like one popular and removal spell from back then was Utter End. Yeah, and now people don't really play Utter End because it's too slow. Like people don't want to spend nope. four mana. But at the time, in 2015, we valued the flexibility, and so we were okay to play Utter End. Now we don't want to. Now we'd rather, you know, treat the symptom. You know, treat it like the whatever but if that's what we wanted to do like we wanted to treat the symptom so anyway um also i say the creatures were very different back in 2015 
we had way fewer broken creatures. Way fewer broken creatures. And planeswalkers, consequently. <laughs> like, way different. Um, Deadeye, Nav- Deadeye Navigator yeah. was a problem. It's not now, but it was a really big problem. Prophet of Crewface got itself banned. Because who, like, who, who, who would have thought that um, Leyland Anticipation and Seaborn Muse all in one creature is not ridiculous? Well. Yeah, that sounds like a play yeah, testing error I don't know to how me. They, I don't know how it got through. But like, we also had things like Deathrite Shaman, Sun Titan, Solemn Simulacrum. They all got extensive play. And now, like, they still get played, but we've moved on to things like Dockside Extortionist, uh, Thoracle, and Esper Sentinel to be the to be the banner cards for our deck and really drive us forward. Um, and then we have amongst the top 100 creatures. I went and, like looked at some of the top 100 creatures to see where some of the creatures that we are playing with rank all time in terms of their you know where they stand that's not what i wanted uh-huh. yeah something happened here oh that's not what i wanted either okay anyway but bottom line is that the top 100 creatures yeah, why am I not getting this? Top creatures. Nope. Cards. Top. Nope, still not right. I type top creatures. Ah, uh, there we are. In amongst the top creatures for the last two years, we find a bunch of familiars, or like creatures that were we associate as being familiar today, but um, have only been printed recently. So, Asper Sentinel, 2021. Seenborn Muse cut a reprint in 2018. Dockside Extortionist, 2019, and now again in 2022. Beast Whisperer, 2019. Uh, Tachova was 2018. So, like, these are these are a lot of creatures that have been printed in the last four years. Or, in other words, since before, like, since after Lux and I started playing Commander. And so people who joined into the game now are making use of these newer cards instead of someone like me who's in the pro or lux here who joined prior to meaning that they have have to adopt this new card instead of growing up with it so to speak as deck deck builders so interesting stuff isn't it yeah also like we i was looking at some old school commanders like from the original couple of commander sets so some of the image check out is being pretty useful and I think I know why. So, like, Nekusar, Nekusar allows you to win along a different axis. You can win along making your opponents draw piles of cards, right? Yep. But now, like, like Nekusar and, like, Xur the Enchanter is a tutor on a stick. There's a lot of the other ones that don't really match up very well, like Carador or Gavi or the Mimeoplasm or uh, Damia the Stone Sage or all these commanders that, you know, come and gone are now kind of out of favor so yeah it's a lot of the new commanders seem to pack a little more punch which is um disappointing sometimes i like the old cards coming back and being relevant and playable again 
What about you, Lux? I definitely like to see more of them get reprinted into new things. Absolutely. They imagine how awesome Nekusara would look with the new Una border style, and maybe even new art. Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, let's let us go on. We'll move on to segment three. I think we've had we've sort of laid out where we were at, and now I want now I think I want to illustrate. Yep. We can illustrate what what we're moving towards. So, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to talk too much about the Alesha deck, all right? So, the Alesha deck I have here runs, um, so it runs 30, 38 land. It was a little heavy on the lands, but that's because the deck's running a little low on mana ramp. Um, there's not a lot of good mana ramp that I wanted to put in the deck, so I didn't. Which is pretty major departure from the traditional it runs 31 creatures all right which is reasonably high creature creature stat right like i'd say 31 is a little high for for commander decks this way these days but not unheard of it's seven sorceries nine instants nine arc um artifacts and then we had we have five enchantments that you know they're going to be able to right five enchantments yeah five enchantments to, to make to make use yep. of. So this deck comes in at about one hundred and twenty eight dollars. Doesn't pack a lot of ramp. Didn't get into it's creature centric. Wants to attack a lot, um, and you know hits a lot of the the singing notes that. We've been moving on generally with the format. Like it's hitting on a lot of them. So here's the new one. This is Evelyn the Covetous. Roughly the same number of creatures. Roughly the same number of uh, sorceries. Um, but it does. Like most of those sorceries are removal spells. And. You know, going on like 18 instants, nine artifacts, or singleton. What am I saying? Um, but yeah, so the deck plays this this list that um, Evelyn's running runs a lot more ramp in the artifacts, lots more mana rocks than Alesha can, can boast. Um, but yeah, no, like I just think that the, the disparity is tremendous. And this deck is also 125-ish dollars, so 123.05. So, you know, it's um, it's a very different take, um, but I think it encapsulates many of the, the ideas that we're trying to, or lessons that we're trying to help you guys see, if you're building a deck today. Um, now, any thoughts on the, this Evelyn list or the Alessia list, Lux? And honestly, like I really think the Evan list, the Evelyn is, list solid. is very solid. And the reason it's so many creatures there because this is a tribal deck. We have forgotten this, but Evelyn cares about whether or not you play vampires. So you're playing your vampires, and they might seem derpy, but your vampires draw you cards and mana. So I mean, are you really complaining? 
So yeah, no, it's very, very different um, for someone who's yeah, someone who's just who's jumping into the game. Um, a, more, a lot more ramp. Anything else about Evelyn? Oh, um, so this one also doesn't win. Like, it's not quite like Necrosar, but Evelyn presents itself as being something other than a creature that wants to get into combat because it doesn't have a combat. So Evelyn is, is more interested in stealing stuff off the top of your deck with the vampires. That's why we're playing so many like, dirty feet in your living room there, Grandma. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, so anyway, the deck wants to play stuff on the top of your opponent's deck instead of combat. It will use what it finds on the top of your deck for combat, um, or it's going to do things like, you know, blink stuff and do gross things with a FASA and whatnot. So, both these decks um, are running in about the same price point, but you're going to see one big difference is the curve. Like, so when you scroll down to the bottom of the Mox field, Alesha... You look at the curve, goes up through a natural, rather natural progression up to six, right? It goes up to six mana as, as sort of the yep. state of affairs. Evelyn, Evelyn stops at five. You're playing a lot more, like, or this, this Evelyn list is playing a lot more two drops or creatures with house spells with reduced, uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? With, with uh, Playing decks with a lot smaller mana, mana curve, so you can probably cast your things a lot more efficiently. So, anyway, interesting dichotomy. Lux, is there anything that sort of jumped off the page to you when you sat these two decks side by side? I mean, honestly, they, like the Eplin deck, it seems to be more and heavily combat and like creature related than Alesha is. Um, as someone who built the Alesha deck, I can promise you the Alesha deck is very heavily premised on combat. It does have a couple of little, a uh, couple of, um, infinite combos in it because it has a Kiki-Jiki and a Restoration Angel and a Kiki-Jiki and the Zealous Conscripts, but predominantly it is looking to leverage creatures for combat, um, and sort of keep the road clear by killing everything in sight. So... You know, but the damage that's been created here is, uh, you know, allowing it to return to normal life is remarkable. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, it's fun. Like it's fun to to compare the two. I think the Evelyn deck. I mean, I have to build it and play it. Was is looking to play off your opponent's deck far more frequently, and that's uh, that's interesting. <laughs> Considering they both are on the same price point, um, you know, have a lot to share, and they, they've both been built by me. But Evelyn's like you can see that progression of my thought process from Alesha to Evelyn, and sort of seeing where I'm where I'm trending in terms of like curve considerations or how much target removal versus how many sweepers, you know. So, anyway, Alex, anything you else you want to add? Not really. Uh, All right. Nope. 
So that's going to bring this week's show to a wrap. Um, thanks very much for, for stopping in and listening to us. Um, if you want to be entered into our draw for a foil bootlegger stash, you need to, when the show goes up on Twitter, you need to like, sorry, follow us, like it, retweet us, and include the hashtag EpicExpCast, and you too can be entered to win a bootlegger stash. Um, if you want to reach out to us and have a, send us a message, by all means, email us at theepicexperimentpodcast at gmail.com. The link will be in the show notes, so you can just have to click on that and, or copy that to put in your in your email address. Um, you can tweet, tweet at us at, at epicexpcast. Also, on, find us on Instagram using the same name and number. Um, you can find all of our decks on moxfield.com. Uh, Look under the, the, the Epic Experiment Podcast uh, as the username. And uh, whatever favorite app you like to listen to us on, whether it's uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Amazon, uh, Podbean, whatever you like to do, um, please uh, feel free to join us and like and follow, subscribe, and just generally help us get the word out that um, you know there are people who live in there and uh, we're talking magic each and every week. So come and check us out. We're living in your head rent-free with the magic each and every week. So come and check us out. Um, next week, we're going to be talking about uh, whatever comes up in the world of magic. Probably uh, other fun things as it pertains to Commander. But you never know. Maybe next week might be uh, we talk about something a little bit different. Uh, Brawl, maybe? I don't know. Well, well that, that one's to be determined. But uh, that's going to be for next week. Until then, this is the Epic Experiment Podcast signing off. Wishing you all the best wherever you next play magic. Thanks very much, everybody. Take care. Have a good one. Talk to you.